Welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. This one was going to be a season end wrap up. I'm joined, of course, by Hal, aka Jake, aka Halbertius. How goes it? Do you know what time it is, Webster? Game time? It's time to say goodbye. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Saying goodbye to the 2020 2021 season? Say that three times real fast. <laughs> 2020-2021 season, 2020-2021 season, 2020-2021 season. Alright, you earned yourself it's a cookie. It's once you start going. <laughs> well, once you get rolling. It was remembering what, the was remembering what the years time. it was first. <laughs> I couldn't remember what year. That's the pandemic talking right there. I'm like, yeah, I was like, it's just, when did Can, this year start? 2019? 2020? I don't know. It's basically June. <laughs> Is that yeah. like registered yet? It's... Nearly June. If you told me it's June 2020, it makes sense, but not 2021. Your birthday is coming on. Mine's about to hit. And normally that's like halfway through the year. And no. My birthday was a month ago. I know. That's my point. Like, it feels (laughs) like it should be last year. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're wrapping up another NBA season. Yep. Yep. Early, of course, because it is Detroit. (laughs) Yep. Got it out of the way quickly, you know. Everyone's got to hit the golf courses. Everyone's got to hit, you know, their vacation. So, all right, it is the off season for the Pistons. So we're gonna do right. a wrap up, and uh, that means talking about every player. Uh, most people do letter grades one. for this. I find that kind of trite myself, mostly because every like everyone is like, either you're the person who gives everyone a C. Because you don't know how to grade, or you're the person who like gives everyone like a D or an A because you don't know how to grade. It's it, there's only there's only the two types. Uh, but letter grades are, are kind of boring, so I think we're just going to talk about expectations that we had coming into the season, uh, how whether players met, exceeded, disappointed uh, relative to those expectations, and then talk about like one or two things we really hope that they focus on in the off season. Um, so who do you want to go first? So we're going to start kind of on the back um, with Servetus. Dave. I'm not even going to try the first name. I still haven't. Davey. Dave Servetus. I cannot do the first name still. Davidas. Um, Servetus. It just, it kind of like rhymes. Yeah, like like your 2020s, you just got to let it roll through. Davidas Servetus. Davidas Servetus. <laughs> I'll let you stick to that. Okay. I'm going I'm I'm to sit this out. Uh, let's see. So Dave finished the year. He played in 20 games. He had about six and a half minutes in the games. He did play. Um, he had pretty decent shooting stats, especially from three, but not really so much from two. Um, didn't really finish with any notable stats. Two points, two rebounds a game. There's not really much to talk about there. Um, but we did get to see some of the legend, the unicorn, who's been playing over in Europe, right? In yeah. Where is he playing? It was He was Israel, in Lithuania, right? I think, for a while. And then oh, was I don't know where he went. I don't remember where he was last year. It doesn't matter. He's here now. Yep. He's in the U.S., so he's he's played through the first year of his what four-year deal? Three-year? Three. No, it's a three-year three year deal. deal. Yep. So first off, do you think that he over underperformed or overperformed or performed how you expected for the year? Well, I mean, we saw him two years ago in summer league, and he looked like Bambi, like he was just. You know, skinny legs. Uh, anytime, like, anyone touched him, he went flying because he was so underweight for the NBA. I mean, he wasn't necessarily underweight for his age or anything. He was just, like, clearly not an NBA body. 
And it's like, okay, he comes mm. in, he looks like he's an NBA body. Uh, you know, the concern was when he put on that weight, was he going to lose some of the agility and stuff? Because he was basically a guard uh, yeah. at, like, the high school level, high school age range. Uh, and for the most part, it looked like he could still move his feet defensively. We didn't really get to see him handle the ball, which isn't unexpected, but like he doesn't look out of place on an NBA floor. So I think in that regard, mm. like <laughs> I think most people thought he was garbage and was only here because his agent is related to a front office member. So like, <laughs> uh, I think that's probably exceeding expectations. I mean, he, again, he played basically no minutes uh he only had like one game where he had like 20 minutes and it was the one when he got hurt uh at the end of the season so like you know 133 minutes played is nothing but like he was 11 points one and a half assists and eight rebounds per 36 like if Mm -hmm. you get that next year like if you were to get you know a, a 10 2 and 6 out of him in 12 minutes a game or something like like you'd be ecstatic about that so uh, i'm i'm happy about that i i'm pretty happy with what we saw out of dave yeah how do you feel i would i would say i was whelmed he was <laughs> i mean he didn't blow away any expectations i had of him obviously with, with kind of the delay of getting him over here and everything like that there wasn't the highest of expectations for him but that being said when he did play he did look he looked like somebody who can be an NBA player at some point in time, which is kind of all you want for these like late second round picks. Oh, you guess we wasn't really that late, now was he? He was, was like middle, early second round pick. But yeah, but 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 still, regardless, any second round pick, you just want to see that they have a path to develop into a role player. So um, that being said, I think I could see kind of the see his talent, see where he would be, he would kind of fit in as an NBA player with kind of that. He's kind of like silky smooth. He's got a great looking shot. I love his shot. So, like, I could I can see where he would fit in to a team down the road, but he's still got a pretty long way to go there. And he's young. He's still only what 20, 21 years old, something like that. So, he's got the time to kind of put in the work and kind of get up there. But and he does have kind of the the benefit of having a longer deal. I would say the most second round picks or most rookies, where it kind of goes into where he's a little bit more closer to his athletic prime. So, as a whole, I'm pretty. I mean, he didn't blow me away. He didn't blow my socks it's, off or it's anything. It's kind of a divide by zero era, right? Like, the, like you, yeah. you don't have an expectation. So we can't be like, oh, you achieved 120% of expectations because you there was none. There there were none. You, do yeah. you exist? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's that's where we're at. <laughs> that is a real human being. We didn't get... <laughs> we didn't get a... What's the... Catfished. <laughs> so so what, do, what do you want to see from him this summer? So I want to kind of continue with this, and I want to see him drink lots of chocolate milk and continue to get more muscle. He looked like he was at the bottom end of an NBA body, but I don't think he's going to have like the speed and athleticism to just blow by people. So what I want from him is just to be kind of that bigger, stronger, probably be more of a three than a two um, eventually in the NBA. Well, I, just I, don't I think, think he's, he's a four, to be honest with you. I think that's where he, well, I mean, I that, think that's what he is. Down the road, yeah. But from where he's playing right now, I think he's just... He doesn't quite have the speed to play at that position. So bulk up, keep putting on the pounds, get that bigger body so you can go and drive to the lane, stuff like that. So that's what it, I see at him. Yeah, for you? me, I, I think I just want to see like him in Detroit more than anything. Like I don't I don't have like a specific <laughs> skill I need for him to work on because I think like basically it's just like get better at everything, keep developing physically, but like be yeah. present around the team 
because if you're going to get minutes next season, it's because you've developed a really good rapport with Killian Hayes. It's because you've developed a good rapport with uh, um, Saban Lee, or you know, it's because you've shown the coaches something in your pickup games that you're just playing. And when you come into summer league, when you come into preseason next year, uh, not even that you've shown a level of skill. Because either way, you're going to be in the G League next year, right? We know that. Um, It's just like prove to people that you're going to be like an asset to the organization. Um, And that that, like you're not going to be a troublemaker. uh, You're not going to, you know, stay healthy, stay fit, and just like be friends with everyone so that when it comes time... And it's, you know, March next year. Uh, and, we're, you know, we're looking for somebody to take another 20 games and just like eight minutes that, you know, they consider you for the role. So I think more than anything, mm-hmm. it's just like stay present and and stay active so that people know you're still here and you're still going. And, and you know, because obviously coaches really do respect that whole, you know, work ethic thing. And like, that's just, you just need to keep proving you've got it all the way around. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, moving on. We got to move this kind of quick, so we're moving on to the next guy, which is going to be Rodney Magruder. Um, so last year, or yeah, last year, <laughs> um, he played in 16 games. Actually, started two of them. Um, he averaged 12 minutes a game. Only put up uh, six points, a rebound and a half, and an assist. Um, but he did have pretty good shooting stats: shooting 53 from the field, and then 46 from three. Uh, so something that was, I mean. Higher than his career average, especially from three. It's extremely uh, sustainable was... three-point shooting there. <laughs> yeah. Nothing questionable to look at there. Nope. Nothing to see there. Um, but overall, um, what do you think of Rodney's season with the Pistons? I I, I forget he's on the roster quite often. <laughs> yep. This was definitely one of the guys I, where it's like I was going through the names. I'm like, oh, hey. What? He's, he's still on the team. Uh, I mean, he was better than expected, maybe. I mean, I'm not a Rodney yep. Magruder oh. fan, so there were games where it was like Rodney Magruder is keeping the Pistons in games, probably when I don't want him to. So, yeah. uh, kind of resentful for that. <laughs> but like <laughs> the, say, there was a, there was like I a two say... game stretch or two or three game stretch where like Rodney Magruder hit like four threes, and I was like, "What? Stop! <laughs> Stop it!" <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, he's Rodney Magruder, and this happened to be the Rodney Magruder like every other year where he shoots 45% from three. So whatever. I would say I was, I was surprised with kind of the, the production they did have and the minutes they did have because I kind of went into the year not expecting to play hardly at all, especially the way Wayne Ellington came out from the gate. And then he, once Wayne got traded, he got to play a little bit. So I would say it was from when he did play and he, like I said, didn't play a whole lot. He only played 16 games. When he did play, I was pretty impressed with that. I thought he was, he looked like, you know, an NBA veteran who's going to come in and, and get the minutes and do work. But um, as a whole, it's still, it's it's Rodney Recruiter. Like, I can be surprised by him, but take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of, it is what it is. I don't, I don't really have right. any skill to work on for Rodney Recruiter. Ah, but you forget there's one very important skill because I didn't mention his contract, which is, I believe, uh, fully non-guaranteed going into this offseason. So the skill that he can work on this offseason is to update his resume. <laughs> Get I your tan, he, buddy. <laughs> I think he can still find a place in the NBA. Like, he started for 45 games for the Heat, like, two years ago. Like, he's he's played some time in the NBA, and he's not 
going to blow anyone's socks off, but he's still a, a decent enough player that he could be at the end of the bench um, of a team. So I think he will find see, his way to another see, team in the NBA. Next year, though, he'll shoot 22% from three. But the year after that is when he'll have an up year, and then he'll have a role on someone's bench as their fifth guard. <laughs> Get him on a two-year deal, sit him the first year, play him the second year. That's all you got to do. Wisdom, that's what that is. <laughs> That's that's learning from experience. All right, who's next? All right, moving on, moving on to another player that we got to kind of burn right through. Uh, Jalil Jalil Okafor, another player that you kind of forgot was on the Pistons. I'm sure. Um, so let me he see. He played Before just Jaleel... enough to make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he was on the court, it was it was a little bit sad. Oh God, but, uh, he's back. Another player who had who had two starts. He played in 27 games total, which was more than I expected. I guess I kind of forgot in those minutes he was in. <laughs> it seemed like he was out for so long in the beginning of the year. Um, let's see, average what thirteen minutes, average five boards, two or five points, two boards, the usual ho hum, ho humness. Um, so, I think we can say job underwhelmed based on creation signing. People are like, oh, he could be something. You never know. I mean, Just um, you never know. He was he was Jaleel Okafor, and I called. You know, I know what Jaleel Okafor looks like, and he was Jaleel Okafor. So there were people... In, I would say he's different you know, than I thought he looked like. I will say that. <laughs> there's there's preseason people who are like, oh, he's going to make... It. No, he was never going to be a hero, and he's not a hero, and, like, that's fine. Uh, the The NBA has passed him by, uh, you know, the only thing I say work on this summer, like, be healthy. Like, he's, he's had some traumatic yeah. injuries and some really nasty like lingering things over his career so hopefully that cleans up for him at some point but yeah it, we don't have to talk anymore about Jaleel Okafor please well real quick the thing that I want to say for Jaleel is to update your visa because I feel like he's going to be one of the guys that goes off to Spain and then in like five years we're like hey remember Jaleel Okafor he's actually doing really good and some random team in Europe uh, yeah like, he I feel probably like he should have got... gone to Europe like two years ago He's still got like a skill set that like like get the Bundesliga stuff like that. He's or, gonna do that. Or in the Spanish league would love him, but yeah, he's he doesn't have it here. He's not in the NBA. He's not an NBA player. I don't think at this point in his career, but he definitely has kind of the the skill to be playing professional basketball somewhere, just not here. All right, moving on to Tyler Cook, who the Pistons signed um, originally on a couple ten days, and then we eventually signed. Um, to a deal that I was it is he two year deal? Remember correctly? Honestly, I don't. Right? I don't or no, know. he is. Well, he was the end of last year or end of last year, and then he's on a non guaranteed contract for this upcoming season. Um, so Tyler Cook came in. I would say personally, he kind of surprised. He he obviously when you sign someone to a ten day, you don't really expect a whole lot. He was already playing on Brooklyn prior to that, I believe, on another ten day. Um, but he came in, played in 28 games, including a start, shot 68% from the field in 15 minutes of play, scored about six points a game, had three rebounds. So do you think Tyler Cook, would you say he's going to be on the roster next year if he's on that non-guaranteed deal? Uh, I think it'll depend on the draft. Like, I, if yeah. you know, if the Pistons draft Evan Mobley, there's just no point. You know, if... Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they get a guard or, or a forward, then maybe it makes a little bit of sense. You know, I, I think he exceeded my expectations because I didn't think he was going to, like, translate to the NBA. Like, yeah. I, I just didn't think that his game 
was going to be NBA ready because he isn't like a good defender and stuff. And obviously when you're undersized and you have to play the five, that's kind of a, a danger zone. But I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. at, at what he could provide. So, you know, he, he and Saban Lee, for example, really seemed to figure out kind of a, a partnership in, a, in the pick and roll, which was good because uh, I don't think Saban really connected with anyone else quite as well. So, yeah, I don't really know what to say to work on for Tyler Cook in the offseason. He, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of everything. He um, has to make free throws. Like, it's it, like it's one of those things. And yeah. free and and I'm one of the <laughs> guys. True. Like I will always stand up for people who are bad at free throws. If you if you if nobody teaches you how to shoot a free throw correctly, it doesn't matter how much you practice. Like if you're practicing a bad free throw shot and you shoot ten thousand of them every day, you will still shoot bad free throws. But yeah. like. If if you're gonna be the energy big that comes in and like does the Montrez Harrell thing, like I need you to shoot like seventy five percent from the stripe because your whole thing is that you're drawing four fouls a game from other guys. Like I need you mm-hmm. to do that. So um, that would be that would be my one yeah. thing for Tyler Cook. He finished at forty nine percent for the year from the free throw really, line. Really and... not good. And for his career, which isn't a whole lot of more after that, he's at 56%. So really, he's got to be at least 70% to be really getting actual minutes on an NBA team. Otherwise, the other team's going to look at it and just be like, all right, <laughs> we're going to send you to the free throw line until your offense is done. Yeah. So, Even right, then, I mean, on. It's, I don't think he's ever going to be good enough that anybody like intentionally follows him. But it's just... I mean, no. your your production around the rim is going to be so limited. But if he's so bad, if, he, yeah, if I, he's shooting 50%, like... Teams are gonna do it. Like they're not, they're not gonna <laughs> play gonna half the cook, playing. but they're definitely gonna do like the Shaq thing, where like, oh, you're trying to dunk on me, I'm just gonna like shove you over, and you'll earn it at the line, except you won't. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a major limiting factor, even if he wants to just stay within the like archetype that he is. So, yep. All right, moving on to the next person in terms of minutes. Uh, this one is gonna be a little bit more of a fun one. We got the. Former first round pick Seku Dumboyu. Ah, Dumboya. Ah. <laughs> I forgot you what came I was saying. That was so that. much energy. <laughs> I forgot how to speak midway through that. Dumboya. Seku Dumboya. Uh, Dumboya. Um, okay. All right. So he played in 56 games this past year, started 11. He played about 16 minutes a game. Another one, five points. 2.6 rebounds. Um, didn't really do a whole lot else um, of note. Uh, how do we think year two of Seku went? Well, I want to I want to pull up his splits here, um, just kind of and look at the last couple of games for a second. But you know, he ended up coming out a little bit ahead of where he was last year, which was not looking like it was going to be the case um, early on. You know, but like. He's still, you know, like per 36, he's right around like 12 points, two assists, six rebounds, um, shooting 70% from the line. He climbed up to like 49% in two-point range uh, by the end of the year, which is good. Obviously, his three-point shot is still, you know, rough. Uh, He's one of those guys where it's like, yeah, he came in with expectations. The expectations probably weren't fair. Like a lot of people thought he was way better last year than he was. And so they thought mm-hmm. he was going to have, like, this Pascal Siakam leap. And, you know, it was that was just, like, unrealistic uh, to the extreme. 
but he also like didn't get consistent minutes and you know that was a, a problem but like for the last what is this going to be eight games you know he was at 11 points 1.7 assists and just about five rebounds um and where's the does this not have two point field goal percentage boo um so he was at what four out of five nah that can't be right either way he was much more efficient he was much more productive uh defensively he was taking a big step up he stopped following quite as much like we see that as soon as he gets comfortable there's clearly a lot of talent there um you know, so like, was this season some rousing success for Seiko? No, you know, de- he definitely should have been in the G League this whole season. Um, yeah, but you know, I I do definitely think we saw like, no, you shouldn't be giving up, and like we've seen that there are certain players like when he plays with Killian Hayes and he plays with a guy who's ready to like look for him and um, you know, pass ahead in transition and stuff like. There's very clearly some stuff you can carve out of uh, Seku that I think people gave up on too soon. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of met my expectations at the beginning of the season so far as, like, he is the player I thought he was to start the season. Uh, he didn't exceed that. He didn't necessarily meet my expectations for growth throughout the season. But I also don't think, like, he... He wasn't in a position to do that, really, ever. Until the end, when it was like, oh, yeah, maybe this is what we've been looking for. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, mostly. I feel like he definitely had some spots where during the year where he kind of underwhelmed. And then he had spots of the year where he was kind of, he showed the flashes of what we expected. And I think both of us have been pretty, I guess, open-minded about his potential, just because... When he came into the league, he was so raw and like so, like he, he just barely started playing basketball. He just barely started learning the game, and I would say his growth is not where we would hope it would be, and not maybe on the path that you would kind of want out of a a younger player. But that being said, you can still you can still look at him and kind of see the potential that he brings and see what he can do once he kind of puts it all together. The question is, how long will that take, and will he put it all together on Detroit? Um, so right now, obviously, he's still got another, what, two years um, yeah, on his deal. Years. And they're both going to be team options, I believe. So that's how the first-round picks work. Um, which, obviously, I think we picked up next year's option, and I think we'll pick up the year after that option as well. Um, yeah, but, they have not yet done 22-23. Yep. They have they done 21-22. Yep. So. That's Which sometimes, like a, sometimes teams are like, "Yep, we'll just we'll just pick up twenty two, twenty three right now." Thank you. <laughs> you yeah, get, I uh, mean, you know, like it would not surprise me if uh, Sadiq gets his fourth year picked up, basically at the end of year two. <laughs> yeah, I that, think they're probably pushing that, push probably that to the end of it. To the end of it, but still, that being said, I don't know. I I just I still see the potential. I still see what he can bring. It's just a matter of when is that going to happen and what team is it going to come to fruition on? So in yeah, terms of, well, I was just going to say, it's definitely going to be a thing where like, he's only 20 and like progress and, and growth is not 22. linear. You know, yeah. like we always, we always think of this in terms of like NBA 2K, like everyone's just going to add like plus four overall 
you know, every season. And, like, that's not how basketball works. So, mm-hmm. you know, it could be that, like, he gets traded and, you know, it's he's 26 and all of a sudden, you know, it's doomsday and he's comes back from a stint overseas and everyone's like, holy shit, Seku, like, <laughs> where was this guy? Like, that's, it can happen. It could also just be that, like, another offseason and, you know, again, hopefully these guys get a real offseason. You know, this is true of all yeah. the rookies. There was no offseason last year, which definitely, like, that's one of the big things that colored my expectations was, like, Seku went to France at the beginning of the pandemic, and nobody knew where he was, and and mm-hmm. he didn't tell the Pistons. And, like, that's the kind of thing that a rookie, you know, a, a foreign rookie does that just kind of throws everything out of balance, and you just got to deal with it. So, um yeah, we're hopeful. So what what do you want to see him work on? Personally, the thing that kind of annoys me most about kind of watching, I mean, it, there's a lot of things offensively that kind of annoy me, whether it's he, he just doesn't seem confident in his jump shot, even when he does shoot from three. Um, but I think the thing that annoys me most has got to be his, like, there's a lot of times when I feel like he goes into contact whenever he's doing, like, a layup and just kind of flails it up there and just kind of throws it at the rim. And I'd want to see him kind of get more comfortable shooting through contact and, like, dealing with, you know, an NBA-sized player at the rim. Because he's not going to be going, like, he's not going to be playing center and, like, drawing the center out of the way. He's going to be running to the hole and running into one of those bigger guys. So that's, I think, the skill that's going to be most important for him um, in terms of, like, staying in the NBA. Because I don't think he's going to ever have that, like, knockdown three-point shot. He's got to have the ability to get to the hole and get a bucket there. So Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one. It's It's kind of the same, take the same... Uh, thing and like translated to like his screening too. Like you just have to get used to like taking hits on screens. And he was a lot better mm-hmm. at the end of the season on screens. Like I was making jokes on Twitter every time he set like any kind of screen for the first couple of months of the season because it just wasn't happening. And that stopped at the end because like he was probably setting two or three legitimate screens a game uh, in that those last like ten games. So. Um, mm-hmm. that, that same kind of, like, you, yeah, you have, you have to be able to take some punishment when you're going to play, uh, the big man in an NBA game. And if you can't shoot, you're definitely playing a big man's <laughs> role. It's just part of it. Uh, he's another one where I, I think the big thing is like, let's see you work on the free throw shot. Um, yeah. You know, cause I, th- I think he has really good touch, um, just in general. And so it's like, it, and he's been, like, he was an 85% free throw shooter, I think it was, in the G League um, last year when he mm-hmm. was playing in there. So, like, uh, shooting 67% last year, uh, 70% this year at the stripe, uh, just it feels more like it's nerves and, you know, him just overthinking things and probably being too excited and too eager all the time. Um, you yeah. know, like, can we get you to a point where you're shooting that reliably from the stripe? Because I think if you're shooting free throws well that I think will translate to better three-point shooting. I think he will eventually be a 37% three-point shooter. Like, I think that's that's very plausible for him to be a decent three-point shooter, especially from the corners. Um, so it's just it's just about finding a way to build confidence in, in the shot. And I think starting at the line is a good way to do it, especially because, as you said, he's got to be able to draw fouls. And, mm-hmm. you know, same as Tyler Cook, if you're going to be that kind of, of guy who's slashing in and, and dunking and whatever, you're going to draw those fouls and you're going to have to convert or you're not going to, you know, it's not going to be efficient. <laughs> yeah. Simply put. 
All right, moving on to the next player. It is going to be the another uh, first or another rookie, um, which is Saban Lee. He played in 48 games this year, started seven, especially when we were kind of running short at the point guard position. Um, pretty good shooting stats, 47% from the field, 35 from three, and then only 69% from the line, but about five points a game, had three assists per game, and a over three to one assist to turnover ratio. So uh, as a whole, I would say I was pretty, honestly, very impressed with Saban Lee based on, you know, him being just a run-of-the-mill second-round pick, who didn't really have high expectations for him to coming in, coming into the year, but he kind of came out and when he, his number was called upon, played really well for the Pistons, kind of a little too well at some points, um, and made it kind of made him made himself in the conversation for like a backup point guard moving forward, especially going into next year. So, um, how do you feel about the Saban Lee experience in year one? I am underwhelmed. I expected way more Ooh. baptisms. Way more baptisms. That I is need. True. I need. I got like one poster out of this season out of Saban Lee, and I thought I was going to. It get was like a beautiful one. A though. handful. It was a good poster, but I was expecting like <laughs> ten. Uh, other than that, I was pretty happy. Um, you know, I I think the big thing for Saban is still like the shooting we saw towards the end of the season when he was playing a lot more. Like people started to actually like know who Saban Lee was, and they would like mm-hmm. really go under picks and give him like the Ish Smith treatment. And it really screwed with him, um, but I mean, he can't. He's a second round pick who came in and looked like a viable NBA backup. Like I'd yeah, rather have Saban Lee than Ish Smith. Like that's you know, it's it's like okay, that's 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 wildly outperforming expectations. You've made a roster. Like if he doesn't return to the Pistons this offseason, it's because someone else offered him a legitimate, like interesting contract. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the the situation he's in right now so yeah I, i'm certainly happy with what we got out of saving lee yeah no i would be very shocked if the pistons i'd be i wouldn't say shocked i would be very disappointed if the pistons don't try and resign him and it'll probably be like a thing where they say hope oh, we got too many people that are going to be playing the point guard position and it just doesn't make sense to have him on the team especially with killian especially with any future draft picks we get but uh i mean as a whole like i said i'm happy with him i would love to have him again see what else he can do in a pistons uniform uh, what for this offseason do you think he should be working on? Uh, gathering, uh, get like gather moves off the dribble into his shot. Um, okay. Like he's he's he has a really like it's it's not a pretty three point shot, um, and I don't think he's gonna get to a pretty three point shot anytime soon because like there's a lot of mechanical adjustment he needs. He's still he's like bringing it up. Like behind yeah. his head and catapulting it forward. There's just there's just a lot to it, but mm-hmm. like he needs, uh, like the like sixteen foot pull up. Like you know, Ish Smith has that pull up. Like he needs that thing for when they wall up the paint against you. You know, do you have an option? Um, he's he's even slow getting into like his floater, which remains mm-hmm. one of the weirdest floaters I've ever seen because he grabs it with two hands and like uses the second hand to like roll it up off the first one like the his whole floater is shot with his left hand like off his right it's it's weird he doesn't sh- he doesn't like do the reggie jackson thing where it's like a full extension right-handed floater no it's yeah. it's his, it's weird um but like he just has to get more comfortable picking the ball up into a shot so that he can then translate that to the three-point shot 
and more importantly so that he can get like the floater in the the mid-range game more polished up so I, I think that would be like one of the big focuses for me this offseason yeah no I 100% agree and that was kind of where I was going to go with him just being more comfortable shooting it off the dribble uh, because he's someone who he didn't shoot he shot good from three but didn't really shoot a whole lot of shots and that's something where especially with his athleticism once he gets someone who has to play up on him and keep and he can keep the defender honest he's going to have so much easier of a time driving to the hole and then playing off like a pick and roll or something like that he's got the athleticism of course to go to the hole every single time but when you have to go past you know the your main defender plus other defenders it makes it a lot more difficult if you can pull the main defender farther up and kind of get past him a little bit quicker and have that time to make a decision whether it be a pass someone else down low or just like a floater like you were talking about that'll make that'll be a huge improvement to his game offensively and kind of turn him from someone who's like decent offensively to someone who is like more of an elite uh, bench scorer which is where I think his his big value in the NBA is going to be so with some little tweets with tweaks with stuff like that he can really amplify his game on the offensive end there are no little tweets all tweets are bangers. <laughs> Little tweaks. <laughs> tweaks. I was kind of running out of uh, saliva for that one. All right. Uh, who's next? We're moving on to the other uh, point guard, on was he, both on a two-way contract, which is Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson he is played not a point in guard. 40 games. You take that back. <laughs> Shooting guard, don't make, guard. Don't make that mistake the again. Guard. I don't want to live through the Frank Jackson I keep point saying guard that. I don't know why. Again. Uh, he played in 40 games. The Pistons started in six. He, I'm looking at the poor 36. So he did not <laughs> average 19 points a game. Um, he averaged 10 points a game on some really good shooting as well. 46% from the field, 40 point or 41% from three, and then 81% from the line. He looked like a competent backup guard. <laughs> Happy now. <laughs> Um, what do you think of Frank Jackson and kind of where did he go versus your expectations for the year? I was really high on Frank Jackson when he came out of the draft. I loved him then. Uh, and so when he came to Detroit, I was a little nervous because I thought they were going to make him a point guard. And so I was like, I don't want the Frank Jackson point guard experiment because we saw that in like New Orleans and he, he doesn't pass. He's just not, (laughs) he's not a passer. Um, but once they made that transition to playing him at the two, and basically taking over Wayne Ellington's minutes. Like, yeah, I, I loved that. That was fun. A lot of fun. Um, <laughs> like, he's shooting off movement, which is great. He's an excellent catch-and-shoot threat, which is great. Um, but more importantly, like, he was getting to the rim. And maybe, eventually, like, that transitions into him finding some, like, easy, simple passes and stuff. It, it really didn't this year despite all the ball handling he had 0.9 assists uh a game um mm-hmm. what was he just i'm just curious here uh yeah he's 16th on the team in total assists he only had 36 total assists all year uh seku yeah. had 47 so uh svi mikhailuk <laughs> isn't on the team anymore and he had 57 assists uh <laughs> Hamadou Diallo played in half as many games and had 24 assists so like you know there's just that's that's a big thing for Frank Jackson but I uh, you you can't look at a guy coming in on a two-way kind of given up on by a lot of people because they thought he was a point guard and it was one of the things where it was like they made the correct adjustment in how they used him 
which is a huge credit to, to Dwayne Casey and the staff. And it clicked, and we got a guy who was scoring like 20 points a game for a, a stretch there really efficiently on really difficult shots. I mean, his hop step finishes are insane. Yeah, <laughs> The amount of ground he covers, the amount of lift and explosion he gets out of a simple hop step is awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with, with the Frank Jackson experience. Yeah, as a true scorer, like he is... He's definitely surpassed my expectations uh, for a shooter because, like, he can just—he looks so comfortable on the floor in terms of shooting the basketball. I wish that would translate to the way that he would pass the basketball because, boy, once he gets the ball, it's not—it's either going in the basket or it's going to the team. It's not going to a teammate. So that part does kind of frustrate me, especially watching. I mean, we kind of grew up watching like the Spurs and stuff like that team that kind of puts a lot of value on moving the ball and passing it, and Frank Jackson doesn't bring a whole lot of that. It's not going to be what he's going to be known for. Um, so it's a little frustrating, but overall, I mean, for someone who's on a two-way deal, he showed that he can score in the NBA at you know a level you would want as a player on a, on a team, especially a bad team like the Pistons. Yeah. I mean, his his per 36 numbers, you, you like briefly mentioned it at the beginning of the segment, 19 yeah. points... Four assists, two or four rebounds, two assists. Um, Nineteen points would have put him fourth on the team, point one points behind Josh Jackson, on um, on a, like a really mm-hmm. high true shooting percentage. He was at uh, 50, basically sixty percent true shooting percentage, which like is better than like Josh Jackson is fifty two percent. So like you're getting Josh Jackson's points on significantly better efficiency out of him if he's playing that kind of minutes load. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, awesome. Really, really happy. What are you going to do And yes, I got to note that one of those players is Derek Rose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for this offseason for Josh Jackson, or Frank Jackson, I'm <laughs> now. <laughs> you got me with the wrong Jackson. Uh, for Frank Jackson's offseason, I just think he needs to just, like, go and play, like, pickup games and just – Get used to playing with people who are going to keep you honest to pass the ball. <laughs> like, no one wants to play with that guy. Just see, like, a Bill Simmons thing. No one wants to play with a guy who just doesn't pass the ball. He scores all the time. He'll keep you playing. But damn, is it annoying when he doesn't pass the ball. So just get him on the playground. Just, like, get him with people who will make him pass the ball. And just kind of get him more comfortable letting the ball go through him. I don't like. I, I don't know what else to say with that. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm at, too. That's it's like, really, like spending a big focus on like playing off jump stops because like you do these hop steps and like can you make a read during your hop step at all um you know can you read the big and like even if you're not making like the corner kick out you know especially above the break can you read the corner in front of you and can you read the big in front of you and make a play because also like he was really efficient uh around the rim he 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 did really well but like you're spending a lot of energy and risking a lot, you know, on some of these these finishes. You know, when you're taking this hop step flying sideways into the stanchion, you know, like Isaiah Stewart's right there. Like maybe you don't get the points, but you know, it's an assist and and like also maybe you have the energy to make that play the next time down the floor as well. So yeah, I'm I'm right with you. Let's work on passing, let's work on making some simple reads. Um, they don't have to be crazy, but you know, if, if you mm-hmm. can get to, you know, like 
we're at uh, three assists per 36. Like, if you can get up to, like, four and a half, five assists per 36, like, that's a huge deal. A huge leap. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next player. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one. It is Dennis Smith Jr. Pistons traded for him midseason from the Knicks in the Derrick Rose deal. He played in 20 games, started nine of them. He averaged 20 minutes a game and seven points and four assists as well. <laughs> I think I know the answer, but how did you feel about Dennis Smith Jr.? I mean, he exceeded my expectations. I don't like Dennis but Smith Jr. you had Jr. incredibly low expectations. Uh, so, like, the big the big thing I want to give him credit for is he was a lot more active defensively than I ever remembered him being. Certainly not in Dallas, and I didn't watch a lot of him mm-hmm. on the Knicks, but... I don't um, think anyone did. <laughs> no. Uh, but, like, so if he can like continue to like rack up steals and and do that from a a defensive perspective like he was at a steal and 0.7 blocks a game like if you can be one and a half stocks a game and mm-hmm. you know like it it doesn't sound like a lot but seven three rebounds four assists and a in a one and a half stocks a game only one turnover like if you can do that reliably you are an NBA player. You know, you are mm-hmm. a, a, a rotational bench guard. I don't need him on the Pistons. Like, I, we just, we have enough depth. We have enough options. I don't think he provides something that I care about here. But, like, I certainly was was impressed enough with what I saw from from him. I, 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 wasn't, yeah. I wasn't mad. Um, you know, obviously he absorbed a lot of minutes that, we would have given to Killian had Killian been here, uh, been healthy. But uh, you can't you can't say he had a bad stint here, uh, apart from the injuries, which the yeah, poor guy I would is say, always injured, unfortunately. Yeah, I would say unlike you know Jaleel, where Jaleel needs to be focusing on like Rosetta Stone to kind of learn Spanish or something. Dennis Smith Jr. I think will stay in the NBA, and I think he'll find like a decent role. I think he's someone who will sign like one of those vet minimum contracts, maybe like a two-year deal with a team option to go to like a Lakers or a Clippers or a team that like just needs a body who could, you know, maybe he just figures it all out and puts it all together on the team. But I would say, yeah, as a whole, I was I was pretty happy with <laughs> the minutes that we did get out of Dennis Smith Jr. He didn't blow my socks off, but I would say I was pretty slightly above what I expected. I would say the way I would put it. He shot pretty good. He played better defense than I expected, especially you know sometimes comparing to Saban Lee, who looked a little bit lost sometimes defensively, which I mean you would expect from a rookie. Um, but as a whole, I was pretty for the minutes he was playing, I was pretty happy with it. He looked like a player who has a role in the NBA and just needs to kind of figure out the right team where he can express that on. So, you got something for him this off season? Well, this offseason, I think it's just really, for him, is just kind of confidence in his jumper and kind of he's got the athleticism. He's got see, I'm kind of the I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> like really, my, my biggest. Well, com- you don't like him shooting at well, all. My, you my biggest complaint about him this year was like he'd take a heat check shot without making the first fucking shot. <laughs> he was he was like <laughs> it's Dennis Smith Junior time, yeah. and you're like, wait a minute, Dennis, you have to make the first like three. Like, make the catch-and-shoot one before you take the off-the-dribble one from four feet behind the line. Like, what are we doing? 
Uh, that that the was thing a, is that's never gonna change. That's that's who he is. Like that's that's right. But be like, what, I don't think he needs to be more confident. Like, I'd rather have shot. him like, like making some of these shots. Prove you know shot selection. Is... The more confidence shot was a bad way to phrase it. I just want him. I just want him to get be a better shooter essentially because I think he's going to shoot these shots regardless. Like, that's who he is. <laughs> if he's a better shooter, he's a better player. So yeah, let's go. I don't exactly. I don't, I don't know that he's gonna I mean, have, like he's famous. I don't know how much you've you've paid attention to his. Like uh, story, he's like kind of famous for rebuilding a shot like every year, and just like ha- it never oh, working. What? Yeah, uh, I never heard that. Yeah, he he tweaks That's things wild. all the time, and then it doesn't work, and then it comes back, and then you you know it's kind of like Stanley Johnson, where like every off season he it's like we fixed it, and it's like what if we just fixed we fixed the, the shot? No, one? we didn't. Like what if we just like did the shot that we worked on? Because he he always reverts and like uses half of one shot and you know mixes and matches and so uh yeah i think for me just like work on your fitness you know be healthy take take the off season to like get healthy because obviously if he you know this was a good showing for him but if he goes into the off season is trying to find a team and you know he's doing workouts and they're like dude you look like ass because you can't run today that's just not gonna work so you know be healthy uh he certainly was not that athletic in Detroit, he, he's lost a lot. So, like, can you get some of that back, you know, to the point where you're, like, dunking without looking like it hurts? You know, stuff like that would be great for you. So. I did not know that <laughs> not be hurt was an option that I could choose for this. I mean, just, for this just exercise. Like conditioning and, like, put a lot of focus in rehab. That's a that's a thing. Some, you know, like, LeBron isn't going into the offseason anymore worried about putting on you know, putting new post moves together. No. He's out here like, my knees! I need my He's knees! He's not LeBron, though, either. <laughs> I think the comparison of Dennis Smith Jr. to LeBron Look, is a little steep. Be the LeBron one. of your role, okay? okay. <laughs> that's, that's like some bullshit a coach would say. Look, be the Michael Jordan okay. of being the eighth man, okay? <laughs> okay, Dwayne Casey. <laughs> Calm down. All right, moving on next to... Uh, one another one of the Pistons uh, rookies, the draft pick. This is my boy Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, so Isaiah played in 68 games, started 14. He averaged um, eight points a game, seven rebounds, including two offensive rebounds per game. Um, as a whole, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we were both very impressed and very <laughs> surprised with the Isaiah Stewart experience versus what we had expected coming into the season. Um, what would you say stood out uh, from your time watching Isaiah uh, on the floor? So, the last Mia culpa. No more Mia culpas after this. I got it wrong. <laughs> no no mm. more apologies for, for the draft shit because we've said it a thousand times. But, like, I didn't think he could play defense. Mm. And he played really good defense. He moved his feet really, really well. So... I mean, when it comes to, like, did he exceed expectations? Obviously. He was really fucking good. Yeah. Way better than anyone, I think, way better than Dwayne Casey or Troy Weaver ever expected him to be coming in. So, uh, you know, he's he's the guy where it's like, yeah, he gets the obvious A-plus grade on the season. He was great. And that's yep. basically all you need to say about it because we've talked, you know, everyone that watched this season knows that Isaiah Stewart stood out as, you know, doing really well so i don't think we need to go over it too much <laughs> yep nope i think i think that is all obviously known by everyone that pays any attention to the pistons knows that 
<laughs> everything started out with why did he get picked 16th? And now everyone's kind of like, eh, you know, pick made sense. Now it's like, oh, might have been he's three like picks earlier. First but, or second team all rookie, and honestly, probably yeah. should be first team all rookie even if he is second team because there's some people out there who are like Jay Sean Tate, and it's like, no, no, no. I'm not buying that. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's always going to get the, like, oh, he's playing on a bad team. Of course, he looked better, but he looked really I mean, Jay really Sean Tate was playing on a bad floor. team on the Rockets, too, but, like, there's just some... Well, yeah, he was, but... I, I just, I'm I just watched, I watched, like, 30 games of him I'm, versus I'm saying, all of Stewart, yeah. and I just, no, not buying it. All right, what do you want to see from him this offseason? You watched 30 Rocket games? We, you watched 30 Rocket games? I'm a long-suffering basketball fan. Shut up. <laughs> Oof, that is brutal. Um, I don't know, because I feel like the... The thing that everyone's going to say about Isaiah Stewart is you want to see him get more comfortable shooting the ball and get to, like, expand his range a little bit more. Um, I kind of want to see him work on his lateral agility and lateral quickness. So that way when he's setting a screen, he can quick cut off it in kind of a way that I see, like, a Mason Plumley do. Where Plumley will set a screen, whether it be on ball or off ball, and he is just rocketing to the next spot. So that's kind of something where I'd like to see a little bit more out of Stewart and kind of something that... He's not, for his size, I think he was pretty agile, but it's still something I think that he could definitely improve on in the way that, like, like even like an Andre Drummond was always great at, well, maybe not the most agile immediately, but once he got moving, he was doing better. So that's something I want to see out of Isaiah. I don't know, I don't have a specific drill to work on it, but. I mean, like, so, so the big thing for Isaiah is like, he's really nimble, right? But he's not explosive. And that's the thing, like. He's not quick. That's, that's one of the big limiting factors still for him. Moving forwards, and I like you can do a little bit of improvement on like your vertical. Like you can add an inch or two to your vertical, but I don't know how much he's going to be able to get better at like like the the big reason he's not a great like pick and roll lob threat is it just takes him a while to like load into a big jump. You know, like Mason yeah, Plum, Mason Plumley explodes steps. through the the ankles like nothing, and even now at like thirty two or whatever he is, he still just pops off like nothing, and that's just not something that Isaiah's ever been able to do. Um, so certainly mm-hmm. he can improve on, on some of that a little bit. I mean, he's already in really great condition, so I don't know how much he's going to be able to add. Um, yeah, he really came in surprised um, with that, I would say. Right. I think for me it is kind of the obvious one. You said, like, he has a three-point shot. Like, there is a shot there. It's There's some mechanical things I'd polish out with it. The big thing is, like, he has to be a lot more comfortable shooting the shot when it's not, like, perfect. Like, he has, like, an yeah. ideal shot, an ideal rhythm, and when he hits those things, it looks really good, and when he doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> when it doesn't, he misses <laughs> the entire rim badly. So, you know, get more used to, like, catching the ball, you know, from the side, uh, especially, and, like, swinging it across your body and then getting up into your rhythm, you know, not just catching it straight on in front of your face and putting it up, because that's what he really likes, is just, like, catching it at, like waist height tapping that right foot going up into the shot that's what he wants so you know if you're going to do the pick and pop thing like the ball might come at you from the angles you know can you hit one when it's swung at you from the sides like those are things that like shooters do very naturally and people like Isaiah who are very like mechanical people you know they don't do that naturally so that's something like drill those things drill different catch angles and different release angles um let me turn off my phone, which is a thing I forget to do every mm. time. Um, it's great podcasting there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's what I got for Isaiah Stewart. Just more more angles, uh, work on the release, be a little more comfortable so that you can take to a game and not 
feel like I mean because he took a couple a game at the end of this year and it just felt like he was forcing him up because he clearly wasn't comfortable. So even if you even if yeah, you like only still hit light. 30 33 yeah. percent, you know I'm fine with that. Just just look comfortable doing it. Get him up. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, moving on to the next player. This is another player the Pistons traded for midseason. This time from the Thunder. He is. A, someone who uh, I think Troy Weaver definitely had his eye on, and that is Hamadou Diallo. For the Pistons, he played in 20 games, started four. He averaged 23 minutes a game and scored 11 points and grabbed five and a half boards a game with an assist as well. So um, as a whole, how did you feel about Hamadou Diallo as a Piston? Uh, another guy I think that probably slightly exceeded expectations. Um, I liked Hami. Yep. Uh, I think... He disappointed me defensively. I was not as in love with him defensively. I don't think, really, I can really remember a point where I was like, wow, this guy's really stopping someone, which I thought he was going to be more of a, you know, more impactful on-ball defender. I was pretty disappointed there. But uh, the shot definitely surprised me. I mean, he finished shooting 39% on two, uh, two attempts a game, which isn't a huge volume or anything, but, like, he was Brick City in college. Uh, <laughs> he was not good to start his career in the Thunder. So, like, just being, you know, even showing the framework of a decent shot is is a big leap for him. Um, he was showing a little bit of playmaking verve. Uh, definitely showing, like, a handle that I don't remember him having pre-draft. So, yeah. you know, some of that stuff, like, it just all looks like he's a good player. And then, obviously, you have a 35-point game. Uh, you know, and you show that like there's definitely a package in there where you can be special. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with what we saw from Hami. Obviously, the defense is the one thing where I was I was disappointed. Yeah, I think I'd echo most of what you said. Where I was not expecting nearly as much as we saw from him coming in as a piston, uh, especially offensively. He looked much more polished than I had expected and had previously seen him when he was playing in Oklahoma City. Which I don't know if that's a product, just like you know his his experience over the years, or just kind of the more playing time he's gotten um, as a piston, as opposed to on those Thunder teams where they were a little bit better. Um, but as a whole, very impressed with him. Defense, I think, could definitely use some work. It wasn't up to what I kind of remembered. I don't know if that was just me not watching a whole lot of his games prior and kind of seeing a little bit more. But I think he does have the athleticism to be a plus defender and kind of be one of those. Uh, important kind of rotational wing players defensively but as a whole pretty happy and kind of i'm very curious to see what we do in the offseason with him yeah uh so what's what thing do you want him to improve on so i mean it's another thing where i think it's a lot of a lot of it (laughs) i feel like with a lot of these players it comes down to shooting consistent consistently for the pistons he shot 39 percent for Oklahoma City, he shot 29%. That's a pretty big gap, pretty big difference. And if he's someone who's a comfortable shooter, or if he's someone who can be more of a you know, spot-up three-point shooter in today's NBA, like he's going to be a pretty good rotational player, if not a starter. Like He's got the athleticism for days. He can just yam on anyone. And he has the makings of a good defender as well. So if he can get that comfortable shot down, all of a sudden you're looking at kind of an underrated asset in the NBA, which is one of those 3 and D wings. So, like, I feel like it's kind of something we're going to say a lot, but if he can 
continue to shoot maybe not necessarily 39%, but in the high to mid 30s, like he'll be an NBA player. So yeah, that's the main thing I think for me. For for me, I want to I want to go the other way a little bit and see him really work on the pick and roll ball handling. Like we saw him really manipulating the ball, really getting to the rim, mostly off like handoff type stuff. Um so like can you come into next season run four or five like true pick and rolls a game you know really work the two-man game with a mason Plumley coming off handoffs you know keep polishing the handle keep polishing you know your ability to read spaces can you start to leverage those you know your your drive ability and, and make a few more plays a game you know we saw the flashes of those and i'm kind of um i think the shot's gonna be like this a long-term project for him that's you know he'll iterate on it a little bit every year the the thing i think that like he can make a leap in next season if he gets the right offseason work in is being kind of that slasher and pick and roll hand ball handler and uh like i think there's a there's a a world next year where he's like a three assist guy if he wants uh three assist a game guy if he wants to be if he works on that so yeah i mean to play devil's advocate to that, wouldn't you rather it be, if you're looking for someone to create in the pick and roll, wouldn't you rather it be a, a Killian Hayes or like a Sadiq Bey or like a Jeremy Grant or kind of some of the other players that the Pistons have put more, I guess, stock into um, and who are maybe not as maybe not as comfortable being spot-up shooters with the exception of maybe Sadiq? And wouldn't you rather have the ball in their hands and have Diallo kind of be posted up to take that that swing pass that comes out of a pick and roll play. I mean, or would you just you, rather you trust him with the want, ball in his hands? So like the ideal scenario is like, he's a 40% three point shooter with a lightning fast release that gets it up whenever. Right. You know, like, yeah, you want Frank Jackson. <laughs> the ideal is clay Thompson. Right. You, you want, you want clay Thompson there in the corner. You want Frank, what Frank Jackson gives you. I don't think that's something he's going to get to right away. So the question is, well, yeah. you know, like, Playmaking to me will always be like the thing that that catalyzes significant growth. Like you can have a Warriors team that's like you put Wayne Ellington in instead of Clay Thompson, and like you're gonna get great shooting and great spacing from Wayne Ellington. But it's the fact that Clay Thompson was an elite pick and roll ball handler and an elite defender, and like did all this other stuff in addition to shooting, and that's what elevates that team from. Steph Curry playing with some spacing to juggernaut. So, like, yeah, Hami shooting better will, like, do a little bit for the spacing and elevate the team a little bit. Hami being able to, like, catch a pass, attack a closeout, pull a mismatch out, you know, run a pick and roll, like, that's what takes your offense from, like, being a good offense to being great is having secondary and tertiary ball handlers all over the floor. Because... Um, you know, like we, you mentioned like the beautiful game Spurs, uh, earlier that Spurs team didn't have great shooting, right? That Spurs team had people that could put the ball (laughs) on the floor and find the next man and just keep going until they found the right shot. And I'm okay working with that archetype of just like get smarter, have everybody be skilled and capable and know what they're doing. Um, and you're like, yeah, you have two or three shooters on the floor, and if Hami's not one of them, that's fine, because you'll eventually find the shooter, or you'll get to the rim. You know, and uh, I I think like he is a guy who can get to the rim 
basically any time he wants, as long as he's got the right handle for it. He's got the the uh, the athleticism to punish any rim protector. I don't care if it's Gobert in front of him; he can he can draw yeah. that foul. So uh, it's it's oh, getting yeah. past 100%. your first defender on the perimeter. That's the question. Gotcha. All right, moving on to the next player it is going to be uh, another obviously. First year player for the Pistons. Yeah, they're all first year players. <laughs> I was about to see new free agent signing. That one didn't really work. Uh, but Josh Jackson, um, his first year as a Piston, he played in 62 games. Uh, started 25 of those. He played 25 minutes a game. Put up 13 points per game, four boards, and two assists, as well as almost two stocks, 1.7 uh, stocks per game. Shooting-wise, he was kind of up and down. He shot 42% from the field, 30% from three, and was that 73% from the line, so about his career averages, except for a slight uptick in free-throw shooting percentage. Um, As a whole, how did you feel about the year one of Josh Jackson? I I think that he was hurt quite a bit from... Well, he was hurt quite Mm -hmm. a bit from being hurt. Like, there was a lot of times... Where like he he only has a, a 42% field goal percentage from the the floor generally, uh, 49% from two point range. I think he's a better finisher and a better like overall scorer and more efficient player than that. But like he played on a, a twisted ankle, like 30 games. You know, there's just there's yeah. just a lot of time and a lot of shots missed and a lot of rhythm that he was taken out of with various injuries and and stuff like that. So. It's hard for me to judge him. Like, did he exceed expectations? He played, you know, 62 games. He played 1,500 minutes for this team. Like, I think that's exceeding expectations, considering what you had coming in. You know, he was a guy basically on pace to average 20 points a game. Like, that's definitely exceeding expectations for for Josh Jackson. And, you know, there was definitely, like, there's there's a bit of, like, positive energy behind, like, the hometown kid playing for the team. Like, that's something that, like, the people, especially, like, black people from Detroit, really, like, mentioned repeatedly this season. I like having Josh Jackson on this team. And I I appreciate that. Um, You know, I found him very frustrating at times for a variety of reasons. You know, his defense would be incredible one play and then non-existent the next. And, uh, you know, he'd be a guy. He is a guy that could average, like, five assists from the wing position he has the vision and then you watch him like take a terrible shot at the rim and it just drives you insane so you know there there were definite negatives but you again a guy who outperformed expectations because he was a free agent brought in as a you know a a shot in the dark and it worked out so you have you have to say that for sure yeah, I think in terms of like where we started the season off expecting from Josh Jackson, he kind of came in as that guy who signed. He was on a two-year deal, sure, but everyone knows that, that was just kind of like a flyer that the Pistons wanted to take on someone who, like you said, he's a hometown guy. He's from Michigan. Everyone, all the fans, he's like a fan favorite. Everyone wants to see him succeed. And I would agree. I thought he, he definitely, like he came out the gate just like on fire. <laughs> and for the first like couple weeks of the year, he looked like, wow, we got an absolute steal in Josh Jackson. And I thought then, that shooting was like legit. Said, was, I'm not going to lie to you. I yeah, thought it like was legit. He, it looked good. And and he looked comfortable with the ball in his hands. He was like, he was attacking people. He was getting to the rim. Like, he looked 
the real deal for those for those like week or week and a half or whatever it was where he was healthy. And yeah, I don't think he was fully 100% the rest of the year. He had some games where he looked good and some games where he was better where he would go off for like 25, 30 points. But as a whole, he just didn't seem fully right in the entire year. So um, to kind of jump ahead to what I didn't want to see him do in the offseason, I think a lot of it is just get right, get healthy, as you <laughs> as you had already used in the past. Like If he can get in the right shape and just come into the season ready to go with this like real offseason that we're about to have, like he could come out and be a very good player for the Pistons. And someone who, especially um, with kind of the contract that he's on, could be a very big trade piece that could get us kind of a, a first round pick or you know someone we could build around for the future. I honestly wouldn't or be surprised if the field offers during the draft. Like he's the kind of guy where you get to like the 18th pick in the draft, and someone's like, you know what, I could really just use like a Josh Jackson here instead of whoever. Like if you're like a, a Portland or something. I don't. I don't know what their picks are, but like, would you rather have Does the have picks? The tw- I think Portland got rid of all their picks. <laughs> I, I think so. But like, would you if you if you had yeah. it? Like, would you rather have the twenty first pick or would you rather have Josh Jackson on the wing doing Josh Jackson? Like, I think that's a, a reasonable question to ask for for what he does. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if if that's in the cards. It also wouldn't surprise me if they want yeah. to bring him back. I I think that. Troy Weaver is a guy who like clearly has a lot of loyalty to his players. And I think that's part of the attraction players have to him. Like I think a Jeremy Grant looks at him and says, this is a guy that like I trust. And that's part of why he wants to come here in free agency. So I don't know that you'd like just throw Josh Jackson away either, but uh, Mm -hmm. again, it wouldn't surprise me to see him. Yeah. In the draft. Yeah. Like if the, if the, if the Lakers offered the, they currently on Tankathon have the 22nd pick. Like, if they offered that pick for Josh Jackson, I think both teams would be very happy with it. Yeah, I, so. I certainly would be. Yeah. I would like hope Josh would be happy for someone. with that. It'd be, <laughs> yeah, I think Josh would love that. But, I mean, it would, it would hurt to see a fan favorite go like that. But, I mean, for him to reach, like, his timeline isn't on the same timeline, I feel like, as the rest of the guys on this team. So No. Um, Which, I mean, he's 23, but still, it's it does feel like, his career is pushing a little faster than that, but I don't know why I thought he was like 25. Wow. He's younger than I thought actually. Yeah. 23. All right. right, Moving on to the next player. This is going to be Kojo, another player who the Pistons uh, went out of order, but screw it. We're going with it. Um, Another player, the Pistons traded for mid season. This one um, in a deal to get rid of uh, Delon, Wright. What did Delon, Wright? Thank you. Um, So he played in, 19 games, started 11, played 26 minutes, averaged 12 points a game, and what was it, six assists, five and a half assists. So overall, I would say he kind of came in and I would say impressed. It, it, it's funny looking back on that trade where it looks like you'd be surprised if the Pistons were the ones that got a pick in that trade because Kojo looked like the better of the two players, um, which I wouldn't have expected going into that trade. But that being said... He definitely exceeded his expectations. I don't know if he's on the Pistons again next year, based on the way his contract is. Uh, but as a whole, he seems like somebody who could definitely do a job on an NBA team and like be a maybe not a twelve point six million per year guy, but at least someone who will be on a bench and kind of can take some minutes and play, be like a good backup point guard yeah. or versus a third point guard. It's weird because like I liked Corey Joseph on the Spurs. I liked him on the Raptors. I liked him. Uh... 
it was Indiana, right? He he had a stop in Indi- Indiana. Like, yep. I liked him in all those places, and I thought like, ah, this is just like a really good second guard to have around. And so I was more like shocked when he went to the Kings and was just like bad. And it was just like, oh right, he's just sandbagging. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 kind of seems to be what it was. It's like I don't like this team. You know, maybe the. The kids on that team were a little too grown for him. You know, De'Aaron Fox is trying to break out a little bit. Maybe he didn't want the veteran presence. I don't I don't know. I'm speculating. But it just felt like mm-hmm. the Kings uh, just didn't get out of him what they wanted. And uh, so, yeah. So, we, we definitely <laughs> ended up, like, getting a much better player than we paid for, than what we paid for. Uh, so, you have to say he exceeded expectations for that. I mean, uh, as far as, like, if you exceeding expectations as far as like you told me oh uh the pistons like brought him in in free agency like i would have been like i I would have thought more highly of Corey joseph at that moment than i did when we traded for him because Mm -hmm. like Corey joseph the the name i recognize is the guy we saw in detroit pretty much um i think he's shooting a little better than uh i expected but like yeah he's a he's a veteran leader he plays defense he shoots uh he makes pretty good efficient plays with the basketball you know, he's just a good, you know, second or third rotation guy. So, uh, I mean, I was happy with that from that perspective. Less happy that they played him a lot and uh, tried to win with him a little bit <laughs> for a minute there. Um, it definitely felt like towards the end, Troy Weaver was like, yo, Dwayne. <laughs> like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? Yeah, like, uh, why are you doing this? Cut it me? out. Cut, cut it out. <laughs> he has a hernia. Sit him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he tweaked his fingers. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever that was. And uh, oh, it, uh, Killian's out tonight. Uh, Corey Joseph is fine, y'all. <laughs> he's, he's doing great. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, he's back. Oh, miraculous Killian recovery. Corey, oh, Corey, bad, terrible accident. You don't want to know the details. <laughs> he's out. <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> you saw nothing. <sighs> uh, is there anything you want to see from Corey Joseph this off season? I don't. I don't really have anything. Like he, he's a pretty finished product. I mean, he's Corey Joseph. I know what I know. Of course, Corey Joseph is. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, I I will say this uh, as far as the offseason goes. From like your NBA 2K manager standpoint, like there's no reason to bring Corey Joseph back. You know, like he's on too much yeah. money. Uh, you should be able to find a veteran point guard presence for a lot less. Uh, I but Dwayne Casey loves Corey Joseph. Uh, Killian Hayes has said he really appreciates having Corey Joseph around. It would not surprise me. Um, James Edwards has said before that he gets a pretty serious vibe from uh, Troy Weaver. If not, Troy Weaver said it outright. I can't remember. But, like, they don't expect to be free agent players this this offseason. No. Um, you know, they this is very much going to be, like, either they make trades or they draft people. I'm assuming they're going to make some sort of trades because they have four draft picks. I don't expect four people on four new people on the roster, um, but like, it would not surprise me if they keep Corey Joseph just because like, what else are you going to spend the money on? And it makes sense to just have a guy like him as like a vocal leader in your locker room. Um, you know, like he he's the kind of guy like he kind of makes Wayne Ellington's voice a little expendable because you have mm-hmm. a veteran in your point guard and a veteran in Plumlee, and you know, like you don't you may not need someone like Wayne Ellington around because you have Corey Joseph, so. That's all, that's all I'll say as far as that goes. But he's Corey Joseph, and you don't have to say much more because at this point, he's 29. People should know what Corey Joseph is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say 
I don't know. In in terms of what to expect this offseason, as I've said, I feel like a couple times in this podcast, Kojo does have that really weird contract where he's only got $2.4 million guaranteed on a $12.6 million deal. So I could see him being like a trade chip, like when someone's trying to create cap space. So, I mean, <laughs> like I do expect him to be a piston this next offseason in terms of kind of the player personnel and stuff like that. But when it comes to that contract, I think I would not be surprised if he did get moved just to kind of create cap space and maybe get a pick here or there. So I think that's all that it'll kind of boil down to. But if there's nothing available on the trade market, I would not be shocked to see him stick around. Because like you said, I feel like his kind of veteran leadership combined with, you know, Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver, I think they would not mind having him come around and kind of teach Killian, teach Saban Lee, kind of give him some experience as that third point guard. Yep. All right, so moving on to the next person, which you just talked about, which is Wayne Ellington. Uh, so let's see, so Wayne had a resurgent year for the Pistons. Um, he played in 46 games, started 31. He averaged 22 minutes a game and averaged 10 points and two rebounds and an assist and a half. Um, he was someone who, especially early on, kind of got in a bit of a hot streak, was putting up some games where he was averaging, he had like a stretch where he averaged like 15 to 20 per game for like two weeks straight or something like that. So he kind of came out and showed and shook the rust off and showed that he can be a scorer in the NBA. Um, were you impressed, unimpressed? How did you feel about the Wayne Ellington experience? Uh, he's Wayne Ellington. <laughs> it's, uh, yes. you, you don't have to say much more than like he's Wayne Ellington. Like he has one of the most, like he has a strange jump shot. Like there's a lot of like lean to his jump shot in a way that like some people don't have, but like it's a very aesthetic thing. Perfect kinetic chain from the feet to the jumper. Like just perfect movement uh great movement shooter uh yeah he's Wayne Ellington like there's you don't need to say what Wayne should work on this offseason I think whether he comes back or not is pretty ancillary like I wouldn't hate to have him back I wouldn't hate to see him go I don't He's Wayne Ellington. Thank you for your service. Uh, I certainly like appreciated yep. it. I, it it was exactly as expected, and uh, you know that's that's all you have to say. It's Wayne Ellington. Yep, I would say you definitely impressed me based on what I said. Considering I went through the offseason saying that he should start working for an assistant coach role, so that yeah, there, there was there was some Wayne Ellington slander coming from from some people that did not that did not uh, work. You know, I mean. I mean, when when you can't make it on the Knicks, which obviously the Knicks this year have been a revelation, but some some words could be said but, about how no, much you deserve no, no, to be no, in no. the NBA. No excuse. Like, I was right. You were silly. <laughs> we move on. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take All my right. lap. <laughs> Wait till we get to Mason Plumlee because I'm gonna take another it. lap. <laughs> I I had to too. give my last mea couple for Isaiah Stewart. I'm taking laps. <laughs> All right, well, before you get to your laps, we're going to talk about Killian Hayes, the Pistons' uh, first-round pick. I'm at least the sprinting prior. the, like, 100-meter line here. <laughs> I'm, at least, I'm at least doing, like, the corner. That's <laughs> uh, it. So, Killian, uh, this year, played in only 26 games. He was hurt for most of the year, started 18 of those. Averaged 26 minutes per game, 7 uh, points, 5 assists, and 3 rebounds per game. Um as a whole year one with Killian, how did you feel about uh, your time with him? I, I think we know how I feel. You know, I was I was happy to just see him play. Uh, 
you know, the things we thought he was good at, he was good at. The things we thought he might struggle with, he struggled with. Uh, he struggled more with the scoring probably than expected. Uh, I think he probably exceeded expectations pretty, you know, completely defensively. I mean, I I mm. expected him to be a good defender. I didn't expect him to be, like, the best perimeter defender on the team for long stretches, <laughs> which he was, uh, which is still wild to me. Um you know, like, obviously you have a guy, great passer, uh, good defender, and, like, you know, just, like, skipping a step here. Like, my big thing for him this offseason is just very similar to uh, uh, Saban Lee. Like, work on the gather moves. Like, just get your footwork right coming off for these floaters. Get your footwork right coming off for the shot. Because we saw that, like, it's just the fact that he can't complete these plays that's holding him back right now. If he was shooting thirty five percent from three, the pick and roll coverages he'd see would have, would have changed completely, and we would have seen so many more of these, you know, these brilliant passes and stuff. And instead, people were able to go under because he just couldn't make them pay. You know, you get into the paint, and then you're not confident in going to the rim, and you shoot a floater that you're not on balance for. Like all these things, you know, if we can work that out, we could see a big leap from him next year. Uh, you know, the, he's primed to to really show people. Um, you know, a, a, a better version of himself. Um, so he certainly exceeded expectations in some areas. You know, he's he's a guy that, like, he aced, like, five questions on the test and, like, failed five more, and that's just how it goes. Um, you know, I'm curious what you think. Do you think starting him in the season was a mistake? I don't think it was a mistake. I think more than anything else, he just needs kind of experience on an NBA floor. And especially with that injury that he had shortly after that, like he didn't really get a chance to get that. The Pistons were going to be bad this year regardless, and I'd rather kind of throw him out to the Wolves. It's not like, you know, NFL where you start a quarterback early on, you're afraid about him just getting the jitters <laughs> from right. getting hit by a defensive lineman. So I think for him it's just he just needs that experience in an NBA like level and kind of the big-time experience. And, I mean, he didn't get as much of it this year as I would have liked, but especially later on in the year when he was playing and was starting, he looked, he, he showed a lot of, like you said, what we expected from him and what we wanted to see. And I think he, in the small sample size we got, kind of proved why he was that seventh round, seventh overall pick. Whereas, you know, those late, mid to late lottery picks can always be kind of hit or miss. I think the Pistons fans are well aware of that. Yep. But I think that Killian, you know, once he gets, like this offseason is going to be so crucial as he gets, a chance to finally like develop and kind of work with the team through a full off season. And I hope that he does get that opportunity. Like we talked about earlier. Uh, but I think it's going to be crucial for his growth and development. Um, what comes to this off season and it's going to be something that I think we'll really kind of see early on next year. Once he gets a little bit more comfortable with the game, with the speed and stuff like that. So yeah, see, overall like, I would say, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Overall I'd say I was pretty, I was, like, I would have liked to see more, obviously, but from what I did see, I was pretty happy. I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I was definitely satisfied with what I saw out of him this year. Uh, I was going to say, in regards to like, him starting early on, I'm kind of torn. Because on one hand, I think like starting him next to Blake Griffin, and like it was just like a weird fit for him, lineup-wise, and I don't think that was helpful. On the other hand, I do kind of think that he would have played his way out of some of these like shooting slumps, you know, if he'd had like a full mm -hmm. season. Like I think having... You know, a thousand minutes under his belt would have helped turn the, the the tables heading into the second half of the season. So, 
I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like I don't think it was a bad plan to start him. Um, you know, certainly I don't think I think yeah. he should have been playing 25 minutes from the jump, whether you start him or not. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think the, the starting is kind hit. of irrelevant. Um, it's just better to just throw him in deep to start with and kind of see where he goes. So, what do you want to see from him right. off season wise? Off season wise, I don't know. Killian's kind of a tough one. I would say <laughs> I just kind of want to see him. Like, in an NBA gym, playing against NBA competition. I just want to see him, like, you know those Instagram stories where it's like, <laughs> oh, everyone's in Brooklyn playing a pickup game? I want to see him in one of those games. Yeah. Because he just needs that experience and needs to get used to that speed. I think he's got the skills. I don't, I feel, like I don't, I don't see him as, like, the Carmelo Anthony guy, though. That's, you know, oh, no. Like, like he's not the guy that has <laughs> Carmelo Anthony's phone number. So, it, it, uh, I do, like, which, which, what pickup scene does the guy who, who grew up playing in France... Uh, get involved. Uh, the Batum with, you know? pickup scene. We can get a we can get a French pickup game yeah, going. I don't need that one. Like I need I need him <laughs> to like rock up in Seattle. Like Seattle seems like the perfect random pickup scene. Like the Jamal Crawford runs. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> just just weird runs. I don't know. Just I just want to see. Well, that was like I can't remember who the Pistons always had that would randomly show up in those videos, like the Mellow videos. But just just something like that i just want to see him out there i want to see him working i want to see him getting better because i feel like he didn't have much of a chance to do it during the season with that injury all right who's next it's next up is your boy mason plumley so, uh, so plumley was i right or was i right i was right good all right you were right thank you i'm not going to i'm not going to sit here and say anything uh, otherwise all right, so Plumlee, in his first year as a Piston, played and started in 56 games, averaged 27 minutes per game, and 10 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists per game, as well as 1.7 stocks. Yeah. So, I would say, I mean, I've been to, we already know what Jake's opinion is going to be. He's already made that very clear. <laughs> uh, I would say I was definitely overall impressed with Mason Plumlee. I did not expect kind of the athlete that he was. I never... I didn't remember it from his time at Duke, kind of how explosive he is, especially you know rolling from the rim, See, that's a you going up to get alley oop. It is. I didn't watch much of Mason Plumley. I wasn't keeping my eye out for you know Plumley number three or whatever number he is. I think he's two. Um, is he two? I think yeah, so. I think he is two. The random Marshall. It was Miles Mason then Marshall. I think. Don't yeah, quote me and on there's that. There's a fourth one, I think. Oh God. <laughs> But, I mean, as a whole, obviously, he exceeded my expectations. He's still not my favorite. There are still some things that really kind of irk me about him, especially on the defensive end, where he's a little bit of a turnstile. But well, Yeah, I did warn you about that um, part, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say, as a whole, he's not he's not my ideal center, but he definitely impressed versus what I had expected when we signed that deal initially. So Yeah. If, if you remember, I said he was going to be perfect for the tank. Because he'd come in and he'd make everybody look good on offense, and then he'd bleed those points on the other end, and that's pretty much what happened. Especially there, were, there was some like fourth quarters where it was like Mason Plumley like sniffed a win and was like, "Oh, I I could play now," and like actually started trying. But there was also a lot of like first quarters where it was like, "How did we give up forty two points in the first quarter?" All oh, right, Mason Plumley gave up like fourteen straight layups. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was also some schematic just... things with Mason Plumley. Like I don't understand why. Dwayne Casey had him blitz so often. There was like a lot of hedging and blitzing from Mason Plumley that just is wild to me. Um, 
But, like, yeah, I kind of called this at the beginning. Uh, I said Mason Plumlee is a guy that, like, has nearly had some triple-doubles in the past. Had two with the Pistons. Uh, go Mason Plumlee. Yeah. You know, like, he's just a guy... He made this season a lot more fun to have, like, Mason Plumlee around. And that's just, like, an objectively good thing. Like, if, if we'd had Dwayne Dedman instead of Mason Plumlee, like maybe the team wouldn't have been a lot worse because, like, Dwayne Dedman just, like, has some utility. and But, like, I don't think it would have been fun. <laughs> I Like, I think just watching Mason yeah. Plumlee play the way Mason Plumlee plays is a lot more fun than what the other alternatives were. So I don't have anything he needs to work on yeah, in the offseason he, he definitely or did. anything. Like, it's just it's Mason Plumlee. <laughs> well, the offseason is... <laughs> I mean, things to work on are the entire defensive end, but obviously you can't do all that. <laughs> The note that I put no, here no. was I, I, that I especially am pro tanking next season too. So please do not get any better. Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he could turn into like. I, here, here's the thing. Prime Tim I want, Duncan. I want still him like to join Killian Hayes on those random pickup runs so that they can get that lob timing down. That's what I want. Okay. <laughs> I want them That's to fair. come in and yeah. average like four lobs a game next year. The thing that I was. I would say most annoyed about, which is kind of where I'm doing these offseason things when, when watching these players, was Plumlee was, not only was he bad defensively, he also fouled a bunch. Yes. So, like, can we work on contesting without fouling? If you're going to be, like, a bad defender, at least just, like, not foul them all the time. Just Olay him. So we can see we you don't on the care. End. We're tanking. Just yeah. Olay him. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <sighs> all right. So we're down to the final two here. Assuming I remembered everyone. Um... So the first one we're going to start with is another of the Pistons draft picks. Everyone knows him. Everybody loves him. He is my Sadiq Bey. Sadiq played 70 games for the Pistons, started in 53. He played in, I believe, the most games of any Piston. Um, he averaged 12 points and 4.5 rebounds per game and 1.5 assists. Shot 40% from the field, but 38% from three at 84.4% from the line. So, as a whole, would you agree, impressed with Sadiq Bey? Oh, yeah. Uh, another guy where, like, I expected him to come in and, and like, perform. You know, I kind of expected him to, to have a pretty seamless transition from college. So, uh, he didn't exceed that expectation, like, wildly. But also, I didn't expect him to, like, set the rookie record for three-point makes, which he basically, like... <laughs> If we prorate it for games played, which we should, uh, that's his record. You know, like, he, mm-hmm. uh, um, he was good defensively. Like, one of my concerns coming into the draft was I thought he got beat by speed a little too much. And, like, he did get beat by speed and, and quickness, but also was just, like, his strength was obvious. Like, Sadiq Bey is, like, a grown adult human and can bang mm-hmm. with people in the post and stuff like that. Um, so like defensively, he really held up. Um, once he got his feet under him a little bit, he got a lot better around the rim. That was still something he was working on, but you know, he had a a really, really, really good season. He'll probably be first team all rookie. He, he earned it. Uh, he like was probably one of the most impactful rookies from like contributing to like winning basketball. Like obviously the Pistons didn't win a lot, but there are, not a lot of rookies you'd rather have on like a playoff team right now than Sadiq Bay. Like if mm-hmm. if you're the Lakers and you can just like pluck a a player from somewhere to like put on your team, 
Sadiq Bay might be like the number one player. It's like Sadiq Bay, Jay Sean Tate, and Isaiah Stewart are like <laughs> three of the top players you'd really want on your team if you're actually trying to win something right now. So uh, that's all credit to him. Uh, I was certainly very happy. Yeah, no, I think both of us coming like after the draft were excited to have Sadiq Bay on the team. I think we both really liked kind of the skill set he would bring to the Pistons, but. I think we both kind of expected him to be like that, like bench, like uh, like for year one, kind of be a, like a rotation player. He'll get some minutes off the bench. He'll come in. He'll do his thing for a little bit. Nothing too noteworthy. We I don't think we expected him to be dropping like 25, 30 points in multiple games and kind of looking like a true offensive threat the way he did. And I think there's no there's no other way to say it, but he exceeded expectations. I think that anyone would have had of him. Excluding like his mother, <laughs> that's how good he. I don't know. I, I, like I think his mom year. is is uh, like one of those like basketball moms is like a harsh critic. So <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, as a whole, like very happy, very like he was the. I would say he is the off season transaction that really makes me trust Troy Weaver. Like he identified a player in the nineteenth pick that just came out and looked like you said all rookie like he's going to be an all rookie and he earned every minute of it so that that gives me faith in the pistons moving forward at least a little bit a little, a little ounce of it so what do you see um what do you want to see from him this offseason <sighs> sadiq is kind of a tough one where i feel like i think the biggest flaw that i saw at least from what i expected coming into the year was a little bit i expected a little bit more defensively he kind of he didn't look like that stalwart defensive player that I was hoping that he would be. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, could be boiled down to he was doing a lot more on the offensive end and just rookies in the NBA trying to learn defense kind of takes a little while. Um, so I would say if he could it kind of improve on, especially his, like, on-ball defending would be kind of a priority there. But just defense in general, I think, if some, a place where he can kind of pick back up and improve a little bit more. Because offensively, I was blown away by what he could do. Yeah. Uh, what about for you? For, for me, it's his passing. Uh, he passed at the same rate as Frank Jackson. Like, he was a yeah. black hole. He was missing guys that were wide open next to him uh, quite often. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely like, especially like once you've taken two dribbles into the paint and you're about to force one up because you, like, are being defended pretty well, you got to find that pass out. And that was something, mm-hmm. like, especially as his usage skyrocketed late in the season, uh, it got pretty frustrating to watch him. Like, there were wide open shooters. Like, Frank Jackson standing right in front of you and you try and take a reverse layup type stuff. Um, you know, so that that would be a big thing. Like, can you take, uh, can you take your game away from being, like, Jay Crowder and into something that's, like, closer to stardom you know if you can make that leap to like being the three and d wing who also gets assists like now you're chris middleton and that's really like that's that's a big deal um mm-hmm. you know right now you're you're you are like a jay crowder who's just like ahead of the developmental curve and th- that's the thing that like makes the next step for you is is playmaking so uh that would be the big thing yeah. i want to see this off season. That's the thing that takes you from kind of like a role player to like right. a bona fide starter. Right. Yeah, that's no, that's I what agree. that's what makes you, you know, like that's that's what has held Tobias Harris back all these years is he just isn't a playmaker. Um, 
you know, and like obviously Tobias got paid and all this other stuff, but like he's also clearly like the third, fourth guy on a team because he's just not, you know, despite being a 20 plus point scorer and really efficient because he just doesn't leverage that into five assists a game the way, you know, a legitimate star does. So, um, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I want to see from Sadiq, and I, that's I want him to start working on it now and develop it now, so uh, so that it's ready when he's twenty four and the Pistons are trying to do something. <laughs> All right, so to move on to the last player that we have to go over, and that is of course Jeremy Grant, Pistons' big off season signing. Um, he played in where did my go here? He played and started in fifty four games, averaged thirty four minutes a game, averaged twenty two points. Five boards and three assists, as well as 1.1 blocks and 0.6 steals. Uh, I mean, do you? <laughs> we both had, I would say, pretty high expectations of Jeremy coming in. Do you think he exceeded those? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's another one where, like, this is one of those things where I was like, I want to crow that I was right, and I thought the Jeremy Grant deal, like, made a lot more sense than people gave it credit for, and I kind of understood what might what we might see here. I didn't expect him to be this good. <laughs> Certainly what like yeah. what he was when Blake was here um, and like taking some gravity uh, and, and some weight off his shoulders. Like we see what Jeremy Grant is as like a second option on a team. Obviously as a first option, mm-hmm. it looked like he just got wore down um, over that yeah. like month and two months that he was kind of that first option. But yeah, clearly exceeded expectations. Um was really efficient. Uh, that dropped a little bit as the workload increased, but he was still pretty good from the field, pretty good from three on a ridiculously high volume. Um, I want, I'm trying to find his true shooting percentage here. Uh, where are you? Jeremy Grant. Yeah, 57% true shooting percentage is like really, really good. That's really, wow. yeah. really acceptable <laughs> for a high for a high volume guy. That was taking like 18 shots a game. So, um, and you know, the the big surprise was the uh, close to three assists. Like, he was not even yeah. remotely close to a passer at all before that. So to be, you know, showing just enough to make me think like maybe he can grow into a passer. Like that would be my thing for Jeremy Grant in the offseason is keep working on that side of the game. Um, you know, for all the reasons we just talked about with Sadiq Bay, Like... He was showing some stuff like he was getting into the paint, doing a pirouette and like kicking it to a corner shooter. And like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that you have to do. If you want to be a true second option, you have to be able to make three, four assists a game, every game. Um, and he showed, he showed the flashes of that. Um, it was really great to see, like he was averaging six and a half free throws and, and finish those efficiently at the line probably deserved a few more free throws frankly he had a he still was like a top 20 yeah. free throw rate guy uh in the nba but there was definitely a point where refs were like we okay we're done with this uh either dunk it or or get back up and go up the floor like it was kind of a weird thing um yeah i'd say my only yeah, that was... complaint with jeremy was that i don't think he was as, as impactful defensively as i expected i think he was mostly mm. a good help rotation guy but like was not even close to the on-ball defender I expected him to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of that is kind of due in part to, you know, he's just 
I think he was just a little worn out by what he had to do offensively. Certainly. It was a step up from what he ever had to do previously in his career, and I think it, it was just kind of a little too tired from <laughs> being on the offensive end to kind of put forth the same effort that he did in the past on the defensive end. So my two things for Jeremy in the offseason, which you kind of touched on, one was, of course, get some rest. Like, he went deep into the playoffs with the Nuggets the year prior, and then he came back with that shortened offseason and played for the Pistons and started in a lot of games and played in a lot of games. So the main thing is just, like, get some rest, which he kind of got a little bit at the end of the year. Um, but besides that, also <laughs> to build a better relationship with the refs because I feel like more than any other Piston, Jeremy got screwed out of a lot of calls and just didn't seem to get uh, like no. that. Uh, Seku Dumbia like star has, player has a case here. <laughs> oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, Seku, <laughs> Seku got like he got beat up and they wouldn't even Seku call it. Seku was so. getting like punched in the face and the rest were like, "Dude, what do you want from us? Like, go go play defense." <laughs> I was like, hey, "Wait, what?" I forgot about and then, Seku. <laughs> and then he'd come back on defense and he'd be like standing there and be like, "Foul, foul, on Dumbia, foul." <laughs> Take a lap. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know what Seku did, but Jeremy as well. Just both of them. Just I, cannot I think. I think Seku's problem is that he speaks to them in French, and they just assume he's cussing them out. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, you like <laughs> nice shirt you got there," and the rest are like, "What'd you say to me?" <laughs> Technical. <laughs> Technicals for everybody. <laughs> That's the only explanation I just come up with. <laughs> Either that, or there's just referee CMS Rashid 2.0 for some reason. That's wild. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, I got way off track. I think All right. I think we are pretty wrapped up on Jeremy Grant and the rest of the Pistons basketball team. All right. You got a uh, a grade or, or a comment on Dwayne Casey's year? I think we both agree he probably had a, a, did a pretty good job. I mean, I, the, yeah. the primary quibble is with how he handled Seku. And I, mm-hmm. it, despite my frustrations, I think we can all agree that like there was some no-win situations there with like especially when Blake was on the team, like yes, finding minutes for him hard. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I Dwayne, good job. Yeah, I would say as we said with a lot of other people, like marginally, kind of impressed, marginally beat expectations. I would say, where he came in and he did, you know, he wasn't obviously going to be taking this team to the playoffs, but he came in and kind of helped to take a lot of the youngsters, helped them improve, and just as a whole, I think he created a good atmosphere for the team. Which is kind of all you can hope for with a team that's not going to be very good. I mean, honestly, so. I think this was kind of a masterful tank job. Like, there was some times where Dwayne yeah. Casey was putting some lineups out there where I was like, oh boy, you know this L is important. <laughs> like, those lineups <laughs> at the end of the season where it was like Saban Lee, Tyler Cook, Kami Diallo, uh, Jaleel Okafor all on the same floor together. And it's just like, you are not allowing any person to shoot the ball successfully. <laughs> like, you definitely <laughs> want an 18 point deficit in the eight minutes that this lineup is on the floor. (laughs) It's not subtle. Uh, You get the job done. You know, I like, we did not get a lot of noise uh, of unrest from Dwayne or from the, the, the players about the tanking stuff, even though the Pistons were tanking Mm. pretty blatantly. So yeah, I think that's kind of a a good job. Well, well done Dwayne on that. Like kind of, kind of uh, dramatically exceeded expectations in that regard. Yeah, I would say so. He, in terms of what he came in to do, he did it. Yeah. I'll say that much. There's some, obviously we had some quibbles throughout the year with minutes here and there, but um, as a whole, I thought he did a pretty good job. 
Uh, Troy Weaver, I think everybody's like, yay, Troy Weaver scouted really well. Uh, I still don't trust Ed Stefanski uh, to make trades. Yep. <laughs> Please stop letting Ed Stefanski tell you what a player's value is because he clearly does not know. Uh, and I, I think that's it. I think that's, 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 all we, that's 95 minutes on the roster. That's a lot. <laughs> yep. yep, I think we talked enough about them. But yeah, Troy Weaver, impressed. Better than I expected after the whirlwind offseason. We'll just see where we go from here. Yeah. <laughs> I think his, his grade is still kind of out there because this offseason matters a lot to that that grade i feel like his his time isn't done yet there's there's still a couple things where like the the second rounders that we gave up for luke Kennard and like that first rounder we gave up in the isaiah stewart thing those are like lurking out there to like bite us in the ass two years from now uh you know it'll be interesting like there's a lot of small things here and there i I, like there are people who are like let's go for the play-in tournament next year and it's like okay but also, I hope you realize that that might mean we don't have a first round pick. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's some things there's some things lurking here that like are gonna take some some nimble navigating from Weaver and Stefanski moving forward. But we'll see what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be back next week, probably talking about a few prospects. Will probably be the goal. Uh, maybe we'll take yeah, a week we just off. We to cut that know. out today. Talk about some playoff because, basketball. Yeah. And uh, Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, we we have what a whole another like week of your wizards before they're done. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how long the series goes. Go on, no clapbacks about how I, the wizards I, are definitely going to win it all. Um, <laughs> not quite. I, I would have really liked us to see us beat the Celtics in that first game and play the Nets. I feel like that would have been a much more fun series. You attended a game. Right? The outcome is still probably going to be the same. Yeah, I was actually I was able to go to the first basketball game of the year that I've been able to go to, uh, which was the game against the Pacers, where we annihilated the Pacers. And my favorite part was I got to see Cassius Winston play in a playoff game. <laughs> sort of. No, no, it doesn't but count. Playing games it, like it, it doesn't count somehow. Yeah, for some it's, demented yeah, reason. I, I don't we know. we can change. We can change the playoff format to put five games in the first round, or uh, make the first round best of best of seven. Best of four. Oh, best of seven. Yeah, yeah. best of seven. So we can First we can four. add two games to that, but we can't add two games to playoff counting stats for playing games. Like, yeah, really, it's guys? Gonna matter for like hardly anyone, <laughs> right? Like, none of the playing teams are gonna win the finals. Like, you don't have to worry about them accidentally playing well, uh, like twenty two games. Well. Or, well, maybe the Lakers, but <laughs> like, <laughs> odds yeah, are really, really made that exception. Really, like, is this? Is this what we care about? I, it, we should not be caring about that. Um, yeah, it's it's a postseason game. I, I, I don't need I don't need an entirely new section of basketball reference dedicated to the like three play-in games that a player <laughs> has played in their entire career. Nobody needs that. Um, yep. All right, we will see people next week then. Goodbye. Yep. Sounds like a plan. See you later. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.